right, all right. I don't know if you've ever tried to do your job while, uh, while, while your boss is watching, but that's what I'm going to attempt to do today. Uh, but you can take your seats. Not only is my boss watching, my, but my parents actually showed up today, which is even, probably even more nerve-wracking. But uh, it's so good to be able to, to speak to you today. And uh, i got to give one little shout-out. Another shout-out is to my man right here in the Rockets T-shirt. It's so hard to find Rockets fans in San Antonio. I just want to say I love you. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, you guys ready to jump into the message? All right, all right. Well, last week, as Pastor talked about, was Vision Sunday. It wasn't Vision, Vision Sunday just amazing? Yeah. I know a few of you are on that, that every other week church flow. So maybe you didn't catch Vision Sunday last week. I'm going to encourage you, go get that podcast because you missed a really good message about the heart of this house. But let me catch you up real quick and, and the purpose of why, why we exist as a church and, and what we're here to do. And, and it goes like this. It says that we're here to help people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We're here to help people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose so that they can make a difference. And I think that's the journey that, that we all need to go on as believers. We all need to come to know God, not just know God in, in intellectual ways, but know God in a real and relevant way. I, I think once you get saved, there's, there's some things that you need to get worked out. We all know you can be saved and still have a little bit of baggage. And so, so you got to find freedom. you got to get around people that can help you work out those issues. And we need to find freedom. And then that's what we talked about growth track for us because we believe once you do that, you need to figure out why God made you. We, we all kind of know our giftings. We all kind of know, you know, kind of the things that interest us. But we need to figure out why God made us that way. We need to discover our purpose. And that's all so that we can make a difference. We all have this responsibility to make a difference. You could say it like this. You could say it that this house is a house where lost people are saved, saved people are pastored, pastored people are trained, and trained people are mobilized. Trained people are mobilized. I think as we go through this journey of coming to really know God, as we come to the finding freedom and discovering our purpose, then it's our turn to turn around and see that other people go on the same journey, that other people have the opportunity to come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, so that they can make a difference. It comes with this assumption that whenever we get to that point, there's not a finish line. It actually sets us out on our journey. We just begin at that point to be able to bring other people to God. You know, I think God created us in such a way that we're not, we're not really wired to build our kingdom. We're wired to build the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't have things. I'm not sh- saying that you shouldn't go for that promotion. I'm not saying that you shouldn't start that business that's in your heart. I'm just saying that, that, that we're really wired at the core of it all to, to build the kingdom of God. I believe James 10 and 10 where Jesus said that I want to give you life and life in abundance. That's why I came. But I also believe that Jesus said, what, is it, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And I think deep down within our soul, deep down we have this craving, we have this longing to fulfill the will of God on the earth and to see other people come along on this mission. And so I really think today that we just, our response to a vision like this, a response to a vision that God's given this church is that we would take up the mantle and say that we are the ones to carry that vision. It goes like this. I would like to say this. I think this is the thought that we should gather around today. It says that we are the ones that won't just consume the vision, but we're the ones that are committed to carrying the vision. We're not just going to consume the vision. Yes, you need to go on this journey. You need to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference, but not just for you. You need to do it for other people. We're not just going to consume it. We're going to carry it. The pastor said it this way, and I loved it, is that, that saved people serve people. 
Save people, serve people. It's not enough just to be saved. It's not enough just to be blessed by God. But we, we want to be a blessing. Uh, we, we're not meant to be just a reservoir. We're meant to be a river. God wants to bless you so they can bless other people. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're going to be the ones that not just consume the vision, but we're committed to carrying the vision. Because the fact is, is that God uses people. God's always used people. God's going to use people. Our vision, as good as it is, as great as it is, will never be fulfilled unless we fulfill it. I would go even a step further and say that, that God's mission and vision for this world, for, our, for humanity, it will not be fulfilled without us. Without us being the hands and feet of Christ in our world. Because God's always used people. Don't get me wrong. God will build his church, but he's going to use us to do it. I fully believe that. I fully believe that. Make no mistake, God will build his church, but he uses us. All throughout the Old Testament, you'll see God weaving human history toward a Savior, but he always used people to do it. He called people from all spectrums. He called old people. He called young people. He called people from different ethnicities. He came, called people uh, that were smart and then people that weren't so smart. He, he called men. He called women. He called all kinds of people, but he used people to push history toward a Savior. And he, he believes in using people so much that he robed himself in flesh in the form of Jesus and came to die the death that we couldn't die, pay the price that we couldn't pay for our sins. He was the answer. Make no mistake about it, but I want to remind you today that after the death, burial, and resurrection, that before Jesus would ascend into heaven, he turned and he said to those people that had decided to follow him, he said, you're the ones. I've come, I've done, done this, I've made a way for you to be able to get the Holy Spirit, and now you're the ones. You're the ones. You're going to be my hands and feet. You're going to build my church. And that's our mission. It says this in Acts, Acts 1 and 8. It says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are the ones. We're the ones. We're the ones that God's going to use. We're, we're the ones that are anointed. We're the ones that are called. We're the ones that are rescued. Not just to sit around in a holy huddle and wait for the rapture. It, we're meant to be the hands and feet of Christ in our communities, in our worlds, in our jobs, in our families, on our street. We're the ones. We're the answer. Nobody else is coming. We're, we're the ones. God's given us the power. God's given us the power. You know, it doesn't take long to get on social media or turn on the news just for a second, and you'll see that everybody has a cause. Everybody has something they're passionate about, that they're, they're all in on, and they think you need to be all in on it too. Everybody has a cause. So I just sometimes I wonder, why would, why would we be quiet about our cause? Why would we be quiet about our cause? I remember, uh, just to brag a little bit, I did live in Australia for three years, just... Hey, lived in Australia. Sydney was amazing. I didn't know that beaches were amazing until I actually went somewhere that had a good beach. South Padre is not good, okay? It's okay. It'll, it'll suffice, but it's not a real beach. But whenever I went to real beaches, I realized that that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Get your little coffee, sit on the beach, do some snorkeling. That's the life. I don't know why I left. Um, I came here for this. Sorry. Was, praise God. Praise God. But when I went to the beach one time, there was this, there was this big booth, and, and there was these people that were there to, to bring awareness to the plight of sea lions. And now when you see those kind of things, you just kind of avoid those. You just kind of walk and just try, to, try not to get caught up in that. But uh, I unfortunately did. And so, you know, I just got, you know, talked to for about 10 or 15 minutes about sea lions. I'd never actually seen a sea lion outside of the zoo before, but, you know, I was... By the end of this, I was just all worked up about sea lions. 
you know, I guess straws aren't just killing dolphins, they're killing sea lions too. And so we just got to be careful about the sea lions. And she was so passionate about sea lions. And I guess just the way I'm wired, I guess God did make me for, for ministry. I started thinking, why would we be so passionate about sea lions? Sea lions are great, but why would we be so passionate about that and then have the answer for life and not be passionate about Christ? Why would we not be passionate about that cause? Look, look at Political causes are good, and we need strong men and women of faith in politics. Can I get an amen? We need that. And those are great causes, humanitarian causes, trying to end hunger and starvation and diseases around the world. Those are, those are so admirable, and we need people to, to dedicate their life to that. But let me tell you, there's one cause that can answer all of those situations, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus that's going to answer, answer political unrest. It's, it's Jesus that it's going to, that's going to alleviate poverty. It's Jesus that can heal us of all of our, our wounds and our diseases. It's Jesus. Not saying that he doesn't use other things, but it's faith. And we got to be loud about our faith because we're the ones that are called to be the hands and feet of Christ into our world. So here's what I believe is that if the grace of God is so unbelievable, which I think it is, if it really moves and it transforms our lives, there should be love, there should be joy, but there should also be a sense of ownership, a sense of responsibility, a sense of I, I've been called and God's done so much for me, now what can I do for other people? What can I do for other people? This is what Jesus said to make sure that we didn't miss it in Matthew. He, he said, here's another way to put it. You are here to be light. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going to go public with this, as public as a city on a hill. That's good, city hill, city hill. That's good. If, if I make you light bearers, you, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. And he goes on to say, he, gets, he says, keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. He calls us. He says, you are to be the light. You are to be the light. You know, last, last week, Pastor had a, an amazing, I know some of you weren't here, but uh, Pastor had an amazing boat illustration that we're not meant to be a, a cruise ship. We're meant to be a rescue boat. And so I thought I just had to step up my illustration game. So the, we got a light. light. This is our faith. Up there in the cheap seats, you're awake. You're awake. If the rapture comes, you're, you're going first. So save us a spot. Save us a spot. But, but our faith is our light. Our faith is our light. And, and our faith, sharing our faith and shining our light is not optional. I would like to, this is the truth that I would bring out of that is that sharing our faith is not an option. It's our purpose. Sharing our faith is not, a, is not an option. It's our purpose. He says, you are here to be light. You are here to be like, that's what you're here to be. It's not, it's not an option. It, it, it's our purpose. Apparently, apparently God isn't looking for superstars because we have one. His name is Jesus. Apparently, you don't have to be amazing at sharing your faith. Uh, you just have to believe what Jesus said, that, that being generous with our lives, shining our light, that, that people will come to know Jesus. People will come to know God just by being generous with our lives and shining our light. Let me put that, oh, a little strobe there. <laughs> Got to work on those illustrations. Uh, we're, we're called to be light. We're called to shine. And while we, we may not be called to, to take the gospel to the, 
to the, to the middle of nowhere, the, the, the deserts and, and the jungles that we've never even known of. We may not be called to that, but I can tell you what we are called to. We are called to take faith, our faith to our streets. We are faith called to take our, our, the message and the gospel of Jesus to our workplaces. We are called to take mes- the message of Jesus to our gyms, to, to our groups, to, to our families. We are called for that. We are called for that. We're called to share a light, shine our light. It's not an option. It, it, it's, it's our purpose. The second thing is, is that sharing our faith is not an act. It's a lifestyle choice. Sharing our faith is not an act. It's a lifestyle choice. Sharing our faith isn't just a one-time thing. It's not, it's not a, an event. You know, we, we have outreach groups. We have serve groups. We have a big serve day. You can join one of those groups right now, or, or we have a big serve day in the summer. I want to encourage you, start making plans for that because it's incredible to be able to go all across the city and serve our city. But sharing our faith is not a one-time event. Sharing our faith is a lifestyle. Sharing our faith is a lifestyle. If somebody was to come to me and ask, do, do we have an evangelism department at City Hills? I would point the finger right back and say, it's you. It's you. You are that evangelism department. No, I just want to take the, to the gospel to the streets. Well, you can take it to your workplace. You, you can take it to your gym. You can take it to your family. You can take it to your neighborhood. Evangelism, sharing our faith is not an act. It's a lifestyle choice. You've, you've probably heard the, the phrase, leave a light on. Anybody ever stayed in a Motel 6? Y'all too bougie for that? Too good? If you don't know what bougie is, just you can Google it later. It's a, it's a good thing. Um, but Motel 6, Tom Bodette, he would leave the light on for you. He would leave the light on for you. If you grew up like me, what's that, that old, that, that good country, that 90s country? Yeah, yeah. That, um, who, who was it? Who was it? I, I put him up. Trace Atkins. There we go. I knew you would know Sam. My mind went blank. How can you forget that ponytail? How can you forget that ponytail? But Trace Atkins, he'd leave every, house in, every light in the house on for you. He would leave that light in the house on for you. But, but there's that saying that we, we need to leave a light on, basically saying that at some point somebody may need to come home, they may need to come back, and they're going to need that light to be able to find it. And I think that at some point in our lives, there's going to be people in our lives that are, that are going to need to come home. The things that they thought they had, the assurances they thought they had, the faith they thought they had, all of a sudden is gone, and they hit a rough patch in their life, and they're going to need to come home. And the question is, will our light be on? Because they're going to need the light to be able to see it. They're going to need the light to be able to come home. And the problem is, is that so many times in our, in our Christian walk, we can kind of get into this a little bit, and we'll be fi- on fire for God at the very beginning. It's, it's easy to shine your light in the beginning. When you've been brought through something, you've been delivered, when you realize this, it's easy to shine your light. But as we go on, we get a little tired of keeping an open house and, and being generous with our life. And we, we just decide to kind of to settle down. We just kind of relax back into it. I'm, I'm going to shine my light on Sunday. I'll shine my light, you know, uh, you know, if I go to that Tuesday morning 6 a.m. prayer meeting. There's a few of you. It's amazing. You should come. But I'll shine my light there. But, you know... There's a few other days, Monday through Friday. It's a little hard to shine my light. But I'm telling you, we got to keep the light on because, because we can't settle down because Jesus has already sent us out. Our, our tendency is to settle down. But I'm telling you today, we can't settle down because Jesus has already sent us out. It's the Great Commission. 
Even if you weren't raised in church, you've probably heard of the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, it says, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Therefore go, therefore go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing, and baptizing and making disciples. That's what it says. But he says, therefore go, therefore go. We can't settle down because God has already sent us out. We, we have to go. We have to be, to be the light and the salt in the world. It's our natural instinct to settle down, but we have to keep an open house. Because here's the thing is, I know it may not happen now, but I believe somebody's in your life is going to be wanting to come home. And they're going to need to see that light. This became so real for me whenever I was in, in Bible college. I met this guy in the foyer after one of our services. His name was Charles. And, uh, you know, I could tell that he, he was kind of there begrudgingly. He, he had been invited by somebody. He, had been, he told me he had been invited by a girl that he kind of had a thing for. And so he just came to church. He's like, I don't really like this whole thing. He said a few words that you normally wouldn't say in the foyer of a church. And I was like, I got to be your friend. I like that. I like rule breakers. But uh, he made the mistake. He told me, he said, I, I, I came because, you know, this girl invited me. I'm not, I don't know about all this whole thing. And I said, well, you know what? That girl actually comes to my connect group. So, you know, every other week she's, she comes over. We have, you know, we, we have dinner. I just kind of left the Bible study part out. But I was like, we have dinner. You should come. You should come. Give me your phone number. Second mistake. He gave me his phone number. He gave me his phone number. And, and Charles came a few times to that connect group. He realized the girl was not interested in him. And uh, we didn't see Charles for about four months. But I would text him from time to time. I would say, hey, man, I know you're new to town. How's it going? How's the job? Miss seeing you around. You should come to Connect Room next time. He wouldn't come. But I would keep texting him. I, I keep knocking. I keep shining that light. And then about four months later, all of a sudden he got a bad report. Uh, his mom had got a bad doctor's report, and she had cancer. And, and he just reached out. It was the first time he actually texted me. And he said, I, I just didn't know who to text, but you always text me. So I just thought I would, you know, maybe reach out to you. I don't know about this whole faith thing, but I'm going to give it a shot. And, and so just by keeping the light on, all of a sudden, Charles became, began to come to church. And it wasn't just but a couple weeks later that he decided to be baptized. And it was just because we just kept the light on. you got to keep the light on because somebody's going to want to come home. And they're going to need to see that light. We've got to get to a point to where we own the fact that, that it's our responsibility to shine the light, to be generous with our faith, to be generous with our lives. I know that sometimes gets intimidating to be generous with that, but God just says just be generous with your life. Just share your life. It, you don't have to be outside passing out tracts. You don't have to do all that kind of stuff. Just be generous with your life, and people will want to know the gospel. People will want to know about Jesus because you're just generous with your life. They'll open up if you're just generous. So if we, if we take on this mantra that we're going to be the ones that carry the vision, we're going to be the ones that are going to, to take the gospel and make sure that people have the opportunity to know Jesus, if we take that on, I think there's a few cultural statements that, that we need to embody, that we need to, to take on. And I would think it would be amazing if, if this is kind of what our church was known for. And so here's three statements. I could, I could go on and on, but I'll just give you three. And the first one is this, is that we are the ones that will honor everyone. We're the ones that will honor everyone. We live in a culture that, that, that really honors no one. We live in a culture where it's all about, you know, just kind of taking down somebody, and it's just nasty. We, we, politicians don't other, honor other politicians. We definitely don't honor politicians. Uh, teachers don't honor students. Students don't honor teachers. It, it, there's just a lack of honor in our society. 
It's just a stagnant, nasty place where there's no honor in our society. And I think we've honestly just lost the meaning of honor, lost the, the, the sense of honor in our society. And I just want to clear it up, but that, that the fact is, is that honor simply means to add value. It just means to add value. Honor is not agreement. Honor is not agreement. I don't know if you knew that or not, but you don't have to agree with somebody to honor them. Honor isn't believing what the person says. You don't have to believe what the person says to honor them. There's a lot of things in our, our, our world that you don't have to believe in what that person says. You just need to honor them. You just need to give them respect. You need to give them dignity. Honoring somebody isn't, isn't changing the person. It's changing our perspective on the person. Here's a, here's a good example. As a single guy, I may go to your house if you have kids, and I'll see on the refrigerator or somewhere displayed around the house some masterful artwork that I understand nothing about. Because it's just a piece of paper that your kid scribbled on. Or if you're really fancy, it's, it's a piece of artwork with some, some macaroni and some popsicle sticks. And they made this, this cool piece of artwork. And I, as a single guy, I don't see the purpose and why you would let that sit on your fridge for six months. It's just a piece of paper. But that piece of paper to you means something. You've decided to add value to that piece of paper. You decided to say that's just not another piece of paper that my kid scribbled on. That's artwork. That, that's, that's pride to me. I'm going to add value to that. And that's all the value is. It's changing our perspective on something. Romans 12 and 10 says it like this. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. We weren't meant to spew hatred. We weren't meant to cut people down. We weren't meant to give people a piece of our mind. I know I know just because Mark Zuckerberg made a platform, we all think we should give people a piece of our mind. But just a little PSA, you don't always have to give people a piece of your mind. That's not what we were created for. In fact, dishonor, dishonor tears down people. Dishonor destroys people. Dishonor destroys communities. We can see all across our nation where dishonor has destroyed communities. Dishonor destroys families. Dishonors Dishonor will rip apart churches. It will destroy our own identity. Because what happens whenever you, when you take value off of somebody else, what you're honestly doing is taking value off of yourself. Whenever you take honor and value away from somebody else, we're taking value away from ourselves. We need to be people of honor. We need to be people of honor. We need to be people that, that love our neighbor. We need to be people that even if we don't agree with them, we're going to honor them. In First Peter, it says this. It says to honor everyone. Everyone. Like everyone. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor even the emperor. You can, you can just take that out and put politician. Honor even the politicians. We got to honor everyone. Honor everyone doesn't mean that you don't have to agree. I know it said this, but honoring everyone doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything they say, everything they do. We just got to give them honor. We got to give them value and say, even though I don't agree with that, I'm going to respect you. I'm going to give you honor because we're wearing, we're representing the name of Christ. We got to give honor. We got to be people practically. You can say it like this. We're going to be people that honor up. We're going to be people that honor down. And we're going to be people that honor all around. We're going to honor up. We're going to honor our authorities, the people that God has placed in our lives. The Bible is very clear about honoring authorities. 
I know it seemingly sometimes you're like, I don't know why that guy got put there. I don't know why she's in power. I don't know all that kind of stuff. But I can tell you this, that the Bible is clear that God put them there. And it says that we need to pray for them. We need to honor those people. We got to honor up. We got to honor up. We got to honor down. We got to people, and we got to honor the people below us. The people in your workplace that don't have quite as much seniority as you, the young people, the next generation, sometimes we can just say, kind of squash them and kind of keep them at bay. But we got to honor those people. We got to honor down. And we got to honor around. In our culture, in, in your job, in the marketplace, it's easy to, to not honor those people that are on your sides, that are around you, your peers, because that means you get a leg up. But that's not what the gospel says. It says that we are to be people that honor those around us. We need to honor people. We're going to be a people that honor everyone. We honor everyone. Everyone counts. We may not agree with it. We may not believe in that, but we will honor you. We will love you. We will give you respect. We're going to honor everyone. We're also going to be the people that refuse to do life alone. Second thing is we're going to refuse to do life alone. We are the ones that refuse to do life alone. Look, I'm an introvert. I I hate that term, by the way. I don't know why you got to put baby in a corner. I just like to be alone, okay? I just like some me time. But but as an introvert, some people we kind of like to be alone. You don't have to deal with all the weird people. There's a lot of weird people out there. If you've never had to deal with a weird person, that means you're the weird person. There's a lot of weird people out there, and sometimes it's just easier to be alone. But here's the fact. Here's the truth that that I personally had to come to grips with is that that we're not meant to be alone. That that alone, we don't have somebody to pick us up whenever we get down. That, that alone, we don't have somebody to encourage us in the midst of a season that's just a little too hard. Alone, we just, we just do some silly things. We just do some things that we would, we would never do if we weren't alone. So we're going to refuse to do life alone. And here at City Hills, we've just come to the point to where we realize God didn't make us to be alone, and we refuse to be alone. In Acts, it says this in, in chapter 2. It says, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything. They shared everything. You see, we're meeting here today, and this is great. We, we should meet. They met, they met in the temple. They met together. But then they shared everything. They shared everything. And I wonder if we could go from just meeting to sharing. Meeting to sharing. I'm not saying that you need to get in the connect group and open, your, open up your wallet and just share. But we actually, whenever you go through connect group leader training to lead a connect group next semester, you'll, you'll learn that we actually tell you not to do that. We have, we have resources here at this church. That's what we give to this church to be able to help people. I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm saying you need to share your life. I'm saying you need to share your experiences. There's a lot of successes in your life that we need to learn from. There's a lot of failures in your life that we need to learn from. There's things in your life that you've done well. There's things that, times where you've been really smart, and there's times that you've been really dumb. And we, we need to learn from that. We need to learn from that. We're, we're not meant to do life alone. We need to learn from your successes. We need to learn from your hangups. If you're isolated on your island, no one else gets better. You may be sitting there thinking today, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty, doing pretty good. My island's good. I got, I got you know, my, my, my virgin pina coladas. I'm doing good on my island. But let me tell you, if no one else wins, we all lose. If no one else wins, we all lose. We need to learn from you. We need to learn from your life. Maybe you've been married for 20 years. Let me tell you, as a single man, can you please help a brother out? We need to learn from you. We need to learn from you. Maybe, maybe you've gone through a season where you had to forgive somebody that really wronged you. 
It was a, it was a situation, a season of life where, where things were done to you and you had to work through the process of forgiveness. And you've worked through it now. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people that are sitting around you that, that need your help. They need you in a group. They need you in their life, helping them, walking them through that part, that part of their life. Maybe, maybe you've moved to town and, and, and you went through this process of not feeling connected, not having a church family. Not, that, that process is hard. That process of finding a church and, and finding somewhere where you can belong and find, finding somewhere that can be family to you, that's hard. We need to learn from one another. We, you have things that you need to share. Uh, when you, when you le- uh, learn, when we learn from your successes, we can learn from your, ha- we can learn from your successes and we can learn from your hangups. But whenever you're isolated on your island, no one gets better. No one gets better. You, you, may, you may be like, well, I'm doing pretty well. But here's the thing is, is that if nobody else wins, we all lose. We all lose. And so maybe you've been married for 20 years. Here's a single guy saying, can you help me figure this whole thing out? Maybe, maybe you've, you've had to forgive somebody that just really wronged you. It was a bad situation, and you had to work through that process of forgiveness. Well, let me tell you, we have some people that need your help. Maybe you've gone through a tough season and you felt like you were isolated and you didn't have family and now you're connected into a church family. You know that there's people that need your help to get connected. You know that maybe you've gone through a tough season and there's somebody just maybe sitting right next to you or right around you that's going through that same season and they need your help. We need to learn from your successes. We need to learn from your failures. We need to get to a point to where we share because we're refusing to do life alone. It goes on to say this in Acts. It says that they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, which is always good to have food. Um, and, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity. They met together each day, and then they met in homes. You see, the early church knew it wasn't enough just to do church in church. They, they, they decided that we're going to do church outside of church. You know, you know, a lot of people are okay with giving one hour to church a week. They're okay with giving one hour to church a week. However, there's 168 hours in a week. You, d- you do the math, one hour and we, with God, and we expect everything to change. Now, I can speak from personal experience. You can't eat one healthy meal and decide to then become healthy. You, you, can't, you can't go to the gym and get on the treadmill one time and expect to lose 10 pounds. I've tried that approach. It doesn't work. Uh, me and God are talking about it. But we can't expect just to give one hour to something and, and be able to expect life change. We can't expect that. Every, everything good in our life takes more time than often we're willing to give it. Any, anybody that is successful, you will ask them, and they, they've devoted. There's actually a whole book written about it, about the 10,000 hours. It takes time. And, and we can't expect life change just for one hour. Everybody likes to be alone. Everybody likes to be alone until you look around and you realize... I'm alone. Everybody likes to be alone until you look around and you realize that I'm alone. And let me just say this. If you say, well, you don't understand. I got, I got plenty of friends. I got plenty of friends. Let me tell you this. If you don't have friends, if you're trying to follow Jesus and you don't have any friends that are on the same path as you trying to follow God, you're alone. You're alone. You can't, you can't do this life alone. Everybody likes doing life alone until the day that you, 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 you feel like you just want to quit. You just want to throw in the towel. Everybody likes doing life alone until you get that doctor's report and until your relationship hits a rough patch and you need somebody around you. Everybody likes doing alone, alone until then. I worked, at a, I worked at a car dealership for just 
a few months, I realized very quickly, car business is not my business. And, uh, but I noticed something. I noticed something that there was a lot of people that would buy cars, and you would realize they shouldn't be buying this car. And, and those people were always alone. They were always alone. You don't go with a group of people and, and make dumb purchases. You don't, you don't often rack up credit card debt with a group of people. You often do it alone. We, but we're refusing to do life alone. And so the last thing is that we are the ones that expect God to move. We're the ones that expect God to move. We're the ones that, we're the ones that are going to honor. We're the ones that are going to refuse to do life alone. And we're the ones that expect God to move. We don't have to hope that God's going to move. We actually believe he is going to. We actually believe he's going to. We don't, we don't walk in on a weekend and wonder if God's going to do anything. We know God's going to do something. We expect him to heal marriages. We expect him to heal bodies. We expect him to give purpose. We expect him to change hearts. We expect God to move. We don't come here just wishing on a star. We don't come here just wishing on a star. This ain't Disneyland. We, we don't come here wishing. I know. I wish it was Disneyland, but it's not. We expect God to move. The Bible says that we're two or three gathered together. There God will be in that presence. He's here. He's moving. We expect God to move. Hebrews 11 says it like this. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is an assurance, a title deed, a confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be seen or experienced by physical senses. Three things I want to show you from that, and we'll close. First is a title deed. It says that our faith is like, it's like a title deed. You get a title deed when you own something. When you own something, you have a piece of paper saying, I, I own it. And this passage is saying that, that faith is that assurance. It's that title deed. It's that confirmation that we own it. And so I want us to, to come in and be known for people that expect God to move because we own healing. We own abundance. We own leadership. We own joy. We own health. If we really believe God is as powerful and as, as loving and as gracious as he is, we, we got to believe that we own this. we got to have faith that he's going to move. We own it so we can expect it. We don't come in here worshiping him to warm up. We, we, we come in here expecting God to move. He, he is moving, so I am going to worship him. The second thing is that, that the, world, the word hope in this verse, verse the word hope, it's not the same hope that we would think of. It's, it's not like I hope, I just, I'm just wishing that, that this would happen. Hope in this, in this original text actually means a guarantee. It means it's guaranteed. This is, we're, 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 we have faith for things that are guaranteed through God. So we know, we can expect it because it's guaranteed. And then the third, third is that faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Meaning that even though I can't feel it, even though I can't see it, I know God's moving. I know God's moving. I believe today that, that there's things in your life, there's, there's things that you've been praying for that God's moving in and you don't even know it. Because you can't see it and you can't feel it, but I want you to know that God is moving. It's moving. So you can bow your heads, every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for two groups of people. Two groups of people that I believe God wants to move into your situation. The first is, is those people that just need a fresh move of God in their life. There's those situations. Maybe, maybe you, your, your, your faith has kind of been diminished. You, you've kind of let your light fade out. 
but you're asking God to move in it again. Maybe, maybe there is healing. Maybe there is uh, assurance. Maybe there is relationships that need to be restored, and you need God to move today. If that's you, I want, you to, I want to pray for you. I want to pray, and I want you to believe that God can move. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray. God, we believe today. We believe today that you're going to move. We believe today that you're, you're going to make things happen. You're going to move those things into place. You're going, to, you're going to bring about opportunity. You're going to restore relationships. You're going to heal our bodies. God, we are expecting you to move. Your word says that we can count on it, that it's guaranteed, that we own it. And so, God, we have faith for it. God, we believe that you can move today, and we believe it in the power and the mighty name of Jesus. And then the second group of people I want to pray for is maybe those people that you're asking maybe for God to move into your life for the very first time. You're asking him to be Lord of your life. Romans says that if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. And today, maybe you've never asked God into your heart. Maybe you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray a prayer with you. We're all going to pray it across the house. So everybody from the front to the back, side to side, I want us to all pray this. And it's just going to go like this. So just repeat after me. God, today we believe in you. Today we put our faith in you. Today we receive what you did for us on the cross. And we believe that our sins are washed away. I've done it my way for far too long, God. And today I'm coming home.